0: Fab Lab Podcast, Episode 68 Three Lies About the Labor Shortage and Turnover. Welcome to The Fab Lab, the stone industry's only podcast dedicated exclusively to the business side of your stone shop, where we focus on improving operations inside the business so we can experience more life outside of it. So let's get down to business. Welcome back to The Fab Lab Podcast, Episode 68. Your host, Aaron Crowley, here with my co-host, Wesley Rice. Wes, it's Friday again. Hey, so it is. (laughs) Late, late Thursday, also known as Friday afternoon. Actually, Actually known as late, late Friday afternoon. But ladies and gentlemen, fellow Fabricators, fans of the Fab Lab podcast, staying true to our commitment to produce an episode every single solitary week for you. And we're so glad that you joined us, so glad that you tuned in. The audience is growing. It's kind of an exciting time. We're reaching some milestones that uh, are just kind of mind-blowing, and it's really exciting. And we're glad that you tuned in to today's episode, where we're going to talk about the subject of this labor market, turnover, the lack of good you know, employees in the marketplace right now. We're going to get into this discussion. I've been in a fabricator roundtable, if you will, where this was one of the main topics of discussion, this ongoing factor issue in stone fabrication. How do we find quality employees to continue to do do the work that we're doing? It's definitely a topic of conversation with most everybody else in these coaching calls. This is a subject that is coming up on a relatively regular basis. And so we're going to talk about that. I think this bears some pretty deep investigation, actually some challenging of the beliefs that we have about some of these uh, perceptions that exist in the marketplace. But before we get to that, I want to mention a word from our sponsor, the Stone Fabricators Alliance, the SFA. You've heard us talking about them repeatedly here on the Fab Lab podcast. And we like to tell the testimonies. We like to read the comments from the members of this organization directly. You hear it directly from their own mouth in their own words. And so Wes, read the latest testimonial from the Stone Fabricators Alliance.
1: Yeah. So I got one that says, I know for me and my business, the SFA has been a godsend. I know I would not be where I am today without the SFA and its members. The advice, tips, and tricks, camaraderie, the list goes on and on. I've also made great friends, folks that I consider close friends that I would have not met if it were not for
0: the SFA. See you all at the next Make It Workshop. So those are not edited. Those are just the words. There's a long, long, long list of testimonials like that on the Stone Fabricators Alliance web forum talking about what the SFA has done for them. So ladies and gentlemen, if you are not in a community... Of fellow fabricators if you are not interacting regularly with your peers i am here to tell you i can tell you from direct personal experience you are going to be left behind because the industry is changing it's advancing and other people are solving problems that we may not have had time to solve on our own and so being in relationship with our fellow fabricators is extremely important and sfa in particular it's it's dynamic it's growing it's large it's grassroots It's personal. And so that that openness, you know, fellow fabricators, helping fabricators is is, is sort of their mantra. I would just encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't joined that organization, that membership, I would encourage you to do so. And mentioning mega workshops, I don't know that this is a mega workshop. They do have another workshop coming up just in about a week and a half. It's in Austin, Texas at AAA Stoneworks. October 17th and 18th so if you're in any you know if if you're anywhere in the area if that's within driving distance for you you can head on over there and begin to develop those relationships that most likely are going to help you transform your business in a very positive way so check out the stone fabricators alliance today okay now back to our topic discussing labor shortages the labor pool the marketplace how do we find good employees that that whole discussion that topic that is becoming really really common Reality is we're at almost full employment or above that. Unemployment is virtually non-existent. And there is a perception, there's a lot of media around the fact that all the best employees have been hired. And gosh, if I need somebody, what are my chances of actually finding a good employee? Well, in, in some sense, that could be true. But oftentimes, perception is not reality. Perception is shaped by what we believe. And, and our mindset oftentimes can have a much bigger role, play a much larger part in whether we get to reality. Because if we're dealing with unreality, our business is going to suffer. If we're operating from beliefs that aren't true, we talk about mindset all the time here on the Fab Lab Podcast, in the map to full potential. If the things that we believe aren't true, it's going to shape the decisions that we make. The necessity to really unpack this because if we are operating from flawed beliefs or from what we've called lies, three lies about the labor market and turnover, it's going to affect our business. The fact is we absolutely have to have good employees for us to carry out the mission that we've got to deliver the product to the customer on time. So it's a necessary component, but if we're not operating from the basis of truth and reality, uh, we're going to be limited and we're going to suffer. The business is going to suffer as a result of that. So we're going to deal with three lie what I believe to be common lies within our industry we're gonna ladies and gentlemen buckle up put your mm-hmm. seatbelt on if you're driving right now because we're going to challenge this is gonna be kind of in your face it's gonna challenge some common beliefs I happen to think they're not true and so you're gonna be confronted with a little bit of dose of uh of reality and and it's not to offend it's to challenge because to go unchallenged is to be stagnant, Mm -hmm. to to remain in the status quo. And uh, we're not growing. And and the goal here of the Fab Lab podcast is to improve the business side of our businesses, to get beyond where we're at to a better place. And so we're going to get into the three lies about the labor market and turnover that we're going to deal with here briefly. Number one, the lie that there are no good employees out there. I can't find good employees. That's lie number one. Number two, Employees will run away for 50 cents or a dollar an hour. Number three, employees will quit if you demand excellence or that they meet a standard. Those are the three lies. We're going to deal with them one at a time. Wes, you got anything to add to that? Those
1: three lies, I, I bet most stone shop owners either can relate to one, but most likely all three. Yep. I, I, I hear it all the time. There's no good help. So I'm excited to get into this topic. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's a good one. So let's do that. So number one, there are no good employees out there. I can't find good employees. So I'm going to say this right out of the gate. That's an excuse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's reflective, I think, of maybe a practice. Let me set the stage. Let me, let me sort of a hypothetical scenario here. An employee quits, doesn't give you much notice. Now you are short staffed. Now you have a limited window of time to find that individual's replacement.
1: You're put in a position where you got to act and you got to act fast.
0: Right now. And, you're, and it's not a great place to make a decision from. Exactly. So when you're in that position, now, okay, now I've got to start this hiring process from scratch. I don't have a lot of time. How fast can I generate some qualified leads? Well, if you're starting that process at the point where somebody either turns in their notice or quits, you are, you are going to conclude because you don't have a lot of time to vet a lot of employees. You don't have a lot of time to receive a lot of resumes, much less even get a job posting up and running on Craigslist or Indeed or some other format to where someone who's looking for a job might actually see it. And so I think a lot of times we drift into this belief because we don't have a hiring system in place. We conclude in that brief window where we've got to make a hiring decision. We conclude there's nobody out there. Well, maybe in that brief window, there wasn't anybody that you would consider a qualified good candidate to hire. And so you had to, you know, compromise you had to you had to settle on someone who maybe in a perfect world you wouldn't have otherwise hired and so that leads you to conclude something that may or may not be true but if you had been already looking for that next employee 3 weeks prior 6 weeks prior to that person turning in their notice unexpectedly that always hurts you might have had 3 to 6 additional weeks to be receiving reviewing interviewing I got four days to hire somebody to fill this position because I'm desperate versus I've been looking for the last six weeks. In fact, I'm looking all the time. Every six weeks, I have been posting job opportunities, receiving resumes, inviting qualified candidates in for interviews, and in some cases, I don't have an open position. Great. That that, that process takes more than four days. To find a good, qualified person, you
1: need multiple interviews. Mm -hmm. It just takes more time than just... That one where, like, hey, one-time interview, come in for 15 minutes, I'll see you, and I'll hire you. That chance of you getting the, the cream of the crop,
0: it's like winning the lottery. Yep. The odds are very low. They're against you. So if that really – ladies and gentlemen, I'm not trying to beat you know, beat anybody down on this this principle, but but this is – if you don't have a hiring system in place, it would be very easy to conclude mm-hmm. that there aren't good employees out there. Because th- there's not as many as there were you know, maybe five years ago. But the fact is, they are out there. Mm-hmm. Good employees, we're going to touch on this in the very next point here, the next lie. Good employees are looking for good places to work. The question is, is what are you doing when you don't need somebody in a crisis moment to make sure that you have an ongoing evaluation of those people that enter the labor market for a brief time, they find a great company, and then they're gone. They enter it, they find a great company, and then they're gone. Well, if, if you're not in that market long enough for those good employees to have come through your system yeah you're going to conclude that but it's just impractical Mm -hmm. the odds are so low of the timing you finding a good employee in that situation, yeah, you're going to conclude that they just don't exist. The fact is they do because good people are always looking for a good place to work, or in some cases a better place to work.
1: Chances are you're thinking I don't have time to create this. Yep. But if you do, it will pay dividends.
0: Yep, yep. You, but you got to have a system in place. Yes. You've got to have a way to where on an ongoing basis you are requesting and receiving resumes, you're interviewing people here and there, and in many cases not hiring them, but putting their Resume in a folder going, gosh, when I'm ready, that's the first guy I'm going to call. Or maybe I got two people in that folder. So, anyway, that's number one. Can't find good employees. I can tell you right now, and this leads right into our next point, we just offered a very good employee a position yesterday, and he accepted. So, we're ecstatic. I mean, we're like jumping up and down. And it's before we need it. We actually, if you go back a few episodes, we talked about employee turnover a little bit, different context of somebody notifying us long in advance. We had somebody notify us they were gonna, they're actually thinking about pursuing another career, and we said, okay, it's on the radar. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, just letting everybody know, I just got moved up in this this hiring process. It could be anywhere from two weeks to two months. I could get called up. And we went, okay, time to engage the system. Mm-hmm. And we immediately reviewed the resumes that we had already received. And somebody we had been in contact with back and forth. We called him yesterday and offered him a position, and he accepted. Wow, this is line number two. People were going to leave for fifty cents or a buck an hour. I've heard this so many times. You know, you bring these guys in, you spend six months training them, and then they leave for fifty cents an hour or a buck an hour. Ladies and gentlemen, has that experience? Has that been something you've experienced? Wes, have you ever heard that?
1: I have heard that, and <laughs> I, I just I have a hard time believing that. I think mainly because if you have a good quality work environment, chances are someone's not going to leave for fifty cents. They, you might tell they might tell you that, and you might believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I doubt that's the real motivation for them moving on.
0: Okay, now we're stepping on toes. Yes, ladies yes. and gentlemen, <laughs> this is this is tough medicine. This is a bitter pill
1: because it comes back down to the owner, or it comes back, back down to you, possibly that. Yep. What have you done? Mm-hmm. Which it's easier to look at somebody else yep. and assign blame or attack or put them down instead of reflect on yep. yourself.
0: Yeah, so let's put this into context. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, Wes, you and I got a stone shop here. We need good employees here. We cannot afford to lose good employees. The cost of that retraining is so high. It's like, it's like 10x the cost of the extra buck an hour. I always ask people, why didn't mm-hmm. you give them an extra buck an hour then? For God's sakes, you spent 40 grand training them and you're gonna let him go for a buck an hour? Okay. Well, so I'm, mm-hmm. we're just calling this stuff out. It, it, and this is this is this is tough to swallow. But like you said, it's it's easier to blame. It's easier to blame the competitor, that blankety blank, and so and so. You know, who just hired him away from me. Probably standing outside my shop after hours. You know, talking to my employees when they're heading to their cars. <laughs> but the fact is. You you mentioned what what's going on and there's I think there's another aspect of this. What's not going on in your company? Uh What doesn't exist when you when you think about an employee leaving for a buck an hour, the risk is actually a lot greater for them. The unknown in changing employers is actually a lot greater for a buck an hour because they have to go to another job and establish the reputation
1: yep they got to start from ground zero yep and for a buck more it's i mean it doesn't seem worth it just to go through all the headache of all the paperwork and all the it's easy to say a dollar an hour yeah that's why you left well
0: yep. And, and and it's not to say that some people don't have financial requirements where they do leave yeah, yeah. for financial reasons a higher job you know, understandable. But if you look at all of the surveys and I didn't bother to print one out, I didn't bother to do research. If you Google the reasons why people stay and the reasons why people leave, money is typically third, fourth, fifth on the list. The data does not support this belief that people leave for small incremental increases in their compensation. Something to think about is are they leaving
1: from something? Are they running from you? Mm-hmm. Or are they running towards something? Ouch. If they're running towards something, it's like, yeah, thanks for working here. I'm excited for you. Best luck on your journey. Yep. But if they're running from you, well, that, that's, the, like you said, it's a tough pill to swallow. And it's yep. it's sometimes not easy to see or understand. You could also have quality employees. So mm-hmm. the question is, what are you doing to pull that quality out, to inspire? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. chances are, they want to do good. They want to be a quality employee. I have a hard time believing that someone's like, I want to be a bad a bad guy.
0: Yep. And we're going to talk about that in the next point, mm-hmm. this third lie that is common. But, you know, I think you're exactly right. You know, what what are they leaving? And the the mission, vision, and values discussion that we had a couple of episodes ago, I think goes a long way. That is, a, in, in a sense, reflective of the culture yeah. or the environment. Is it a positive environment mm-hmm. or is it a negative environment? And, and is there more than just the paycheck there? And so this isn't meant to... to, to to criticize or to judge, ladies and gentlemen, that's not the point here, but the fact is if you've got turnover, if people are leaving, the easiest way to reduce your need to hire new employees is to stop your turnover. <laughs> that, that's number one. That's the easiest way. If I can stop one person from leaving, that's one fewer people I have to go find in you know under duress to replace them and retrain them and reintegrate them and suffer the consequences of the loss of all that experience that you know was was plugged into the company previously. And so we got to consider this aspect, what is it about our company? What is there that would keep somebody there? what, what is something what is what, what is it about our company that people wouldn't want to leave? They wouldn't want to have to go without that camaraderie like was mentioned in that SFA yes. sponsorship moment. That 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 unity, that sense of being a part of something larger than them that's secure, that's safe, that's predictable. Ladies and gentlemen, the culture, the environment in our businesses is going to have a lot more to do with whether or not people leave for a buck an hour than the offer for another buck an hour.
1: And it does
0: come from the top. It does. It does. It's... And, and, and so again, this isn't to judge, nope. but this, is, this nope. is an opportunity for us to stop. Like I said, buckle up, <laughs> pull that rear view mirror down. And, and, and it's it's like my old mentor used to say, Aaron, I'm just holding up the mirror. I'm just helping you to see what you're doing. I'm helping you to hear what it is you're saying. And and I think once you hear what it is you're saying, you're going to conclude. I don't have to tell you. You're mm-hmm. going to conclude. Did I say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing is true about this belief, this lie that people leave for a buck an hour after we've invested six months training them. I, I honestly don't think most of them are leaving for the money. There's a lot of different ways to make
1: your company a magnet for somebody. Hmm. Sure, money's on that list, but it's not the top of the list. It's definitely yeah. on there, but it's, it's the company culture, it's the environment, all yeah. those things go together. So, how can you create your company to be a magnet for somebody? Yep. We're, were actually attracting other people. People like, hey, that's the company I want to work for. That's the one I want to uh, be aligned with, mm-hmm. as well as keep your people there.
0: Yep, yep. And so, if you want to, you know, learn more about that, mm-hmm. two episodes ago, I think it was episode sixty-six. 66 drift. Mm -hmm. We talked about mission, vision, and values. And in a previous couple of episodes, we talk about the map to full potential. I don't remember what those episode numbers are, but we talk about that vision being so powerful and so unifying. And it is a magnet. People are looking, good people are looking for a place, something larger than them to be a part of. And so ladies and gentlemen, time for some reflection. Something to be conscious about, something to think about. Yeah, something to think about. And so To to, to blame and to scapegoat somebody else is to miss the opportunity to improve your business, to lower your turnover, and to stop losing employees for a buck an hour. Every time you prevent that from happening, you're putting tens of thousands of dollars back in your pocket. Because the studies also show the cost of a lost employee is like one and a half or two times their actual salary. With that training and, and the onboarding and all of the things that go with it when they leave and the drag, and the, it just it, it's, it's hugely disruptive and expensive to lose an employee that you've trained. So now let's get into number three. This is an interesting one. This came up in a great conversation. It's a great point. It's a relevant point. And in lieu of the fact that there really isn't as many people in the marketplace looking for jobs, we're at full employment. This is a very real concern. I just want to deal with it in a very frank manner. So here's the question. Here's the here's the concern. Here's perhaps the lie that is believed. If I enforce my standards, if I demand people meet my expectations, they're going to quit. I've got this risk, and it's this fine line. It's this balancing act I've got to maintain. I don't want to require too much because if I require too much they might say, you know what, there's so many other job opportunities out there, I'm going to go take advantage of them because I don't want somebody demanding too much of me. I think that's really what the essence, is, and I get it. I think on its face, it's a relevant and, and, and reasonable concern to have. But let's dig a little bit deeper. Someone's going to quit because they're held to a higher standard. A higher standard, in a sense, is a clear expectation for performance. It's, we talk about this all the time. Sign the position, define the result in measurable standards. You've got to do a brain dump. What are your essential expectations about how this job, how is this employee that you don't want to lose, how are they supposed to perform that job? How do you define what you expect? You put it into measurable terms. But what if they don't meet it? Or what if they're not meeting it every day? How hard do you push? How much do you demand that they meet that standard? Well, let's let's dig into that a little bit. Number one... I believe, it's been my experience, it's been my observation, 21 almost be 21 years on Tuesday, our 21st anniversary here at Crowley's Granite Concepts. I've employed a lot of people. A lot of people have left the company. <laughs> so the vast, 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 this is a fundamental belief of mine about people that no one is ever going to change my mind. I've got too many years of experience observing this firsthand. People, human beings, want to do a good job. They want to know They've done a good job. They want to hear that they've done a good job. They want that affirmation. Nobody leaves this shop at the end of the day rubbing their hands together, laughing to themselves, saying, I tricked them again. I found a way to not do a good job today. Because that's really what you have to believe to believe that people don't want to do a good job. Yeah. And in a sense, so how do you define a good job? The problem with most of these situations is that a good job was never defined it was never detailed. Those expectations that the owner has in terms of how he defines a good job was never firmly established. Because chances are that employee, that, that crew member
1: said, I'm knocking it out of the park. I'm doing fantastic according to my measurement of what a good employee does. Right. Versus what the owner has in his experience and looking at it, go, that guy's falling short on all, all yep. fronts. Yep. That's. But it hasn't been communicated to either. There's a communication
0: breakdown. Yep. Yep. And the other one, in the absence of communication, we just talked about this in our company meeting last week. What about the things they don't know that they're not responsible for? That anxiety, that burden of going, I I wish I knew. We might be concluding that they're not meeting the standard because they don't care, or they're negligent, or they're not an owner. Nobody thinks like an owner. Right, until the owner has conveyed the way he thinks, i.e. a clear definition of the standards, the measurable standards for those expectations, they can't possibly reach them. So now the question is, so we've established kind of point one. I believe most of your employees, if not almost all of your employees, want to do a good job. They want to please you. They want you to come out and say, you knocked it out of the park. You, you it, Actually, you exceeded my expectations. That's only possible when you know what the expectation is. If it's vague, if it's confusing, you're adrift, trying to do your best with the information that you've got. You're not gonna, you're not gonna hear that. But you know, most, oh, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say it makes sense when you outline and break it down like that. Yep. But backing up to what you said before, it's like, ah, oh, that guy is bad, a bad employer, or whatever. But doesn't care. But if you break that down a little bit more, it's like, well, is he really scheming out in the parking lot? Aha! I got past you. <laughs> I did it again. It, it, when you break it down to that level, it it yeah. seems so absurd. Yep. But that so many times you you hear that mm. and it, it's like and you fall into that trap. Yep. Which in
0: actuality they want to do good. Yep. So now if we've established that, if we can agree, ladies and gentlemen, if you can think back, if you can kind of get outside of yourself and your own maybe beliefs about your employees long enough to just, just accept that fact temporarily, my employees want a good my, my employees want to do a good job. Now just follow this, the logic of this. Is somebody who wants to do a good job going to then turn right around and say, no, you've set the expectation. I'm, you, you demanded that I do a good job. I'm out of here. Now, you might have the occasional employee that has a problem with authority, and those are outliers. Mm-hmm. There's, there's honestly things going on in their mind, things going on in their background, things going on from their previous experience that sort of sets them up where they really can't deal with criticism. They can't deal with authority. Those are the one-offs. Those people, yeah, you press them. You set an expectation. They may not be able to handle it. You don't want those people on the team anyway. Yeah, that's true you want to start looking for that guy's replacement. But for the rest of the people, the people that you may be worried about losing, they want to, meet, they want to exceed the standard. They want to exceed expectations. They want the pat on the back. And so I do not believe, I, I just do not believe that if you set reasonable, now here's the other, there's actually another part of this. Your expectations have to be reasonable and understood. And that employee has to have everything they need to actually meet the expectation. I want this done, but you don't give them the tool. Well, that's an unrealistic expectation, and they're not going to meet the. I want this. I want this. You know, installed. Well, I don't have the, the counters. Aren't done. I want this cut. Well, I don't have the templates. <laughs> I want. You know. You you look at. You got to also be willing to consider if you set the expectation and they can't meet it. Is it because they're unwilling to meet the demand, or is it because they don't have everything they need? to meet the demand. And so ladies and gentlemen, understandably, you, 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 in a sense run the risk there could be that one individual that's just going to blow up and say you're 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 demanding too much of me. Anybody that's working in the granite countertop industry for any length of time, this job is so hard. If if they were really that lacking of character, they would be working in a bank working at a checkout stand, doing something else that didn't demand anybody that sticks around in this business has got gravel in their gut. They've got grit. They've got mental. uh, They are mentally strong. They're going to be able to handle expectations. They're going to be able to handle a higher standard that you have established. They're not going to run from it. In most cases, they're going to embrace it.
1: And it comes down to how you articulate your Expectations to them. If you do it in a way it's delivered where they can receive it, then Mm yeah. If you have your standard, but you're out there yelling at them, Mm -hmm. intimidating them, cursing them out, whatever, it's not going to be received well. You could say, Yeah, I told the guy, but did you do it in a way where it was received? Um, Because I do believe they want to do well. They want to do well. And you set that standard,
0: set them up for success. And actually, that, that reminds me of something. That's a really good point. That In in all the times I've trained on the process of explaining these standards, putting them in writing so that your employee, a lot of times the first, uh, a lot of employers, they find themselves in this conflict with an employee who's not meeting their expectation. And so you've got two different definitions of what's good enough. And so there's this moment of, oh, my gosh, I document it. I present it to them. Now, if they deviate from it, I've got them. (laughs) There's no more of this you know, slipping through my fingers, you know, and, and somehow avoiding responsibility for something. Now I've got them. But ladies and gentlemen, the point about setting the standard is not about then busting their chops when they miss it. It's not about the consequences. It's about clearly defining up front what you want because the likelihood is, is that's what they're going to do. The goal is the outcome. The goal is the result that you know is possible as the master of your craft. That's the goal. It's, it's not to use as a club to beat them When they miss it, there's the opportunity to coach them.
1: And chances are it could be in a breakdown of them understanding fully what was
0: needed. Yep. So ladies and gentlemen, when you set expectations and then provide the individual with the resources necessary to get there, the vast majority of the time they're going to achieve the result, which is the goal. It's it's highly unlikely that a quality employee is going to run off because you've set the bar higher. For most people that means hey you set the bar higher that probably means advancement in the company. Yeah. That mean, probably means more opportunity. Yeah, you're investing in them, man. Yep. So if that's a th- if that's what you're believing, if you believe that if I enforce this standard I risk losing a quality employee in this labor market that we're dealing with, I don't think it's true. In a sense you could be held hostage by a hostage taker that doesn't even exist. <laughs> that's true. It's all in your mind. <laughs> it's because you've you've drifted into this belief, your perception lead you to believe that if you enforce the standard, you're going to lose this employee. And you also believe that if you lose them because there's no good employees out there anyway, I can't replace them. So now I'm held hostage by something that actually is limiting the improvement of the company, number one. And two, it's causing you unnecessary stress, having to deal with somebody that you're not happy with. When the solution is the solution we talk about here almost every day on the Fab Lab podcast. You got to set your expectations. You got to put them into definable results. And then you got to follow up and you got to coach them until the point where their performance matches your expectation. Boom. The three lies about the labor shortage and turnover. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope that wasn't too strong a message, too strong a medicine on this Friday afternoon on the Fab Lab podcast. For those of you who are willing to take tough statements like that, your, your, your business is going to improve. You're going to see this aspect of the business enhanced, and we're actually going to we're going to follow this up next episode. We're going to kind of carry this forward one more episode to kind of deal with some other aspects of it that I think are really important. But that actually leads me uh, something I want to mention here as we wrap up this episode. Being challenged, and I've mentioned my own coaches and my own mentors and my counseling. I want to mention something that occurred to me, an experience I had recently, where I was challenged to do something. I was in a coaching session. I said something about getting to this next stage of the business is going to take me you know, at least until the end of next year. And my coach challenged me. He said, stop stop right there. It's going to take you a whole year to get your business to that point to where this next thing is going to be possible. He says, Aaron, I don't know your business very well. In fact, I don't know it at all. He said, I have granite countertops. I don't know your industry from a hole in the ground. But I do not believe... That that's true. And, and, and so then he challenged me with this. So he first he calls me on the carpet, right out on the carpet, in public. <laughs> then he says, I want you to think for a minute. You've just said there's this challenge and you it's going to take you a year to figure it out. Do you think there's somebody else in your industry that knows the answer to that question that might be able to help you get there in three months? That was a pretty good paraphrase of the challenge. And the second he said that, Boom somebody popped into my mind and I said, uh, yeah, I actually, I, I think I, I think I do know somebody and he said, oh really? So what would hold you back from actually picking up the phone and calling this individual and asking him, you know something I don't and I need what you know, would you be willing to share it with me? And I, I I'm stumbling and stuttering, uh, duh. Uh, I, I'm thinking about this. He's like, you know what? I'm going to tell you right, why you're struggling with this, it's your pride, Aaron. You are unwilling to admit to a fellow peer in your industry that you don't know something. That's your problem. And if you persist in that belief, it's going to take you at least a year to solve this problem. But you've already said you know somebody who knows the answer to it. And so he challenged me to call that person. Mm-hmm. And I did. And we are seeing dramatic results in an area of the business that has been a pain point for me for a long, long time. And so ladies and gentlemen, I share that story with you just to illustrate the power, not only of this podcast and what we've done, we've challenged your thinking today. We have confronted possibly beliefs that you have that aren't rooted in truth. They're not rooted in reality. question is, is are you too proud to take stock of that and react to it, respond to it, and and most importantly, act on it? And so I share that for two reasons. One, to just sort of conclude this episode of the Fab Lab podcast. I know it's tough, but guess what? Join the club. If you're willing to confront it, you're going to grow. The business side of your stone shop is going to improve, and that's the goal. But number two, I just want to mention that in lieu of the coaching that I am doing here as a result of the Fab Lab podcast, as a result of writing Less Chaos, More Cash, and and developing the tools that really do make those impacts. That is the essence of my coaching as well. Uh, Profound revelations in some cases. Discovering Things about ourselves that we didn't necessarily know out of the gate. Challenging beliefs that can have in one conversation, one question can have a dramatic impact on what we do with that and, and, and the impact it has on our life and in our business. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to invite you once again, if you would be interested in a coaching call, a brief conversation with me talking about a challenge in your business, I want to just extend that invitation to you. You can reach out to me at Aaron at AaronCrowley.com, or you can visit AaronCrowley.com and check out my website. The whole website is dedicated to doing just that, to helping stone shop owners who have mastered their craft to master their business. If you go to AaronCrowley.com, I recommend that you take the Stone Shop Business Assessment. It's a 20-point checklist of your business. I recommend that you take the Stone Shot business assessment because it's 20 it's a 20-point checklist if you will dealing with the four core categories of business success and your personal relationship to the business is a part of that. And so that's what we deal with. We're challenging beliefs oftentimes. It isn't the mechanics. It's the mindset. And shifting mindset can have a, a literally a 180 degree impact on your business and on the tools that are available to you to impact your business. So ladies and gentlemen, there's the invitation. Just want to encourage you, check back with us next week as we continue this mission here on the Fab Lab podcast of helping you make the business side of your stone shop better. We look forward to chatting with you then. And until then, happy fabricating.